We are uh, talking about freedom uh, this weekend, and uh, I thought I'd start with a couple of, of verses that I thought was, was interesting. I think we could take something from. Um, 1 Corinthians 7.27 says this, Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. That's good, right? If you're married, stay married. And it says, are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. <laughs> now, if you notice, a lot of the husbands didn't laugh because they're sitting next to their spouse and didn't want to get in trouble, but you know what I'm talking about. But don't worry, a couple verses later in 1 Corinthians 7, it says a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies... She is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. So the Bible talks a lot about freedom, but we're going to actually dig in into our freedom. And we use the Bible because that is the word of God to us that tells us about our freedom from our creator. So if you want to go ahead and do this, if you haven't, pull out your study guide. There's some fill in the blank. Some people love that. Um, other people like me, I, I can't, it's just I'm distracting, I can't do it, but to each his own there. I want to look at this first passage here in Galatians 5.1, one of my favorite It says this, for freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. So stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. In my office, I like to have art on the wall, and I put verses on top of images that help me like really grasp it. I'm a visual guy. And so this verse I have in there, my kid like this, and this is what I did. Let's see if I have that off on the screen. We put Super Mario Brothers, big guy. This guy wants to stay free. He's standing firm. And so I see that and I go, this is the kind. I mean, he's like, oh, let's get this and step forward. And so I want to make some observation about this passage to get this in our mind, okay? First observation is, one, Christ set us free. I mean, it says that pretty cl- plainly. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Christ is one who's done it and set us free. Second observation, his purpose was for freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. He wanted us to not just be free, but stay free. He wanted us in freedom to be free. That's important to note. And then the third one, this is an interesting one. It is possible to not live in freedom. Do you see that there? It says, stand firm and do not submit again as if you can to a yoke of slavery. So it's possible for us not to live in freedom. And that's what I want to look at today. So to help us understand, I want to get us all started from the same place. Uh, When Jesus entered the scene a couple thousand years ago, there was these religious leaders uh, of that day. Uh, Some of them were called Pharisees. And Pharisees were intent on knowing the law and keeping the law. And they had gotten very proud of the fact of how well they lived out the law. Kind of lorded it over people and said, look at how well we do. And their proud arrogance is really what led them. So then Jesus comes on the scene, son of God, the coming king. And you would think that Jesus would want to be the new leader of whoever's kind of leading at that time. And so I kind of picture there would be this like... Um, this brawl in the streets, like, no, I'm the new leader, you know, and they're fighting. But it's not like that. He didn't want to lead those people, the Pharisees. In fact, he had a lot of criticism for the way they lived their life. Let's look at that. Because Jesus came to deliver true freedom. This is what he said about the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 
25. Listen to this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. That's pretty harsh. Pretty strong there. See, Jesus is concerned about our condition inside. And it was clear that the Pharisees was concerned with their appearance on the outside. The Pharisees looked good on the outside, but were dead inside, full of dead people's bones. They cleaned the cup, but didn't wash the outside. Imagine if you had people over and you gave them a cup to drink, and the inside was disgusting. This actually happened this week. Uh, our dishwasher broke. Our dishwasher broke, and um, my wife was like, you know, it was all, you know, it goes, you know, you know, cleans on the inside, but inside all the cups and the bowls, everything facing down with water shooting up, it was just covered in grime and uh, sediment, and my wife said, well, you need to look at the dishwasher, and so now I repair dishwashers, um, so I go and look at the dishwasher, like I know I'm doing, watch a video online, it's great, and I get in there, and there's two filters, there's this like, a filter and then there's this like cylinder, this mesh cylinder where the water passes through and the filter is supposed to clean it. And I pull it out and the filters are, I mean, completely covered. I mean, just sediment buildup had all happened. I mean, you couldn't even see through the mesh. And so I'm frantically trying to clean it, trying to get this as clean as I could. And there was obvious there's nothing I could do to clean the inside of that dishwasher. And I had to buy some new parts straight from the factory. I kind of need a factory reset on my inside filter. But the Pharisees, they wouldn't have been concerned with the filter. They were just wanting the outside to look clean. And they wouldn't be concerned with the inside of the cup. And I think it's similar to us where we need a new filter. We need a new inside, completely clean, because what we try to clean ourselves is not going to be good enough. Let's look at what the Pharisees were actually selling. I mean, they were trying to get people to buy into. I do um, some marketing with dental offices, and we talk about ROI. ROI means return on investment. And so what ROI measures is how much activity or profit comes from the expense or the effort that you give towards something. That tells you how well that did, the ROI. So what I call them, what they're doing, what they're following is what I call the outside ROI. What they're trying to do is to clean the outside. And maybe you caught trapped doing some of these things. Let's look at these. The ROI, the outside ROI. The first one, R, religion-driven. Some people live their life that way where they're just trying to follow all the rules. Trying to do it all just right. Maybe to earn a position or to earn favor or to do it on their own. Like I was first trying to do, trying to clean my filter 
as best as I could. You ever been there? Just driven by following rules. But the second one, obligation-led. At a sense of an obligation because you feel you have to or you should because of something that happened or something God has done or because that's what people around you and so you do it along with other people but it's a heartless participation. You been there? What about this one? Instruction-based. Someone else's choice. Someone drags you, makes you go, maybe your family member. You're just doing it because you're told to do it but you don't have really any desire to do it yourself. If we live that kind of life, I think we're going to be very close to what the Pharisees, and we will not actually obtain freedom, especially not a free life that lasts forever. This is what Jesus says about that in John 14. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. My life is not perfect. Your life is not perfect. We've all had uh, misgivings or sins. Sin's not a very popular word we like to use. Sometimes it makes us feel uncomfortable. But sins where we've sinned against someone else or sinned against God or even just the sin of not living out the life that God actually gave us or glorifying him to the supremeness that he is. We all have some sort of sin and they're numerous. And there's just absolutely no way that we can clean and redeem our inside from what happened because of our sin. We are not perfect. We can't get the right filter clean. We can't clean our cup and make it look pretty enough. And especially, we can't get close enough to perfection to be with a perfect and a holy God. See, he's perfect. And people that aren't perfect can't be with him. So we have a separation. So Jesus came and he did live that perfect life so he could go back and be with the Father. But he didn't want to go alone. He wanted us to come with us, with him. So in order to do that, he knew that someone had to pay, someone that was perfect, to stand good for all the people that were not perfect. And so he offered himself. And he died on the cross was buried, and he rose again, showing him the power to do everything that he said he would do. And he says, all you have to do is be with me, and I will stand good. I will be that new inside-out filter to clean and redeem you and give you that free gift of freedom. Freedom to go to our forever home because we will be considered perfect because of his perfection. Galatians 2 says this. We know that a person is not justified by works, not made good by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ because of what he's done. So we also believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not, not by works of the law. Because by work of the law, no one, no one will be justified. You're justified by accepting Jesus' free gift, not by how much we can work for it, how much we can clean our cup. It's not an outside cleanliness, but an inside transformation. And it's a free gift 
offered to you freely. And I don't know if you, when you hear free gift, if maybe you're like me, nothing's free, there's strings attached, right? Lots of people are offering free stuff out there. There's something always attached to it, but not this. How do we know that? Because it's already happened. It's already been done. He's already died on the cross. He's already offered it to you. And now it's left to us to decide if we'll accept that free gift. Let me show you an illustration. This is, this is what helps me. I'm a visual person. And so picture this. Picture you're driving down the street. And as you're driving down, you're, you're texting and driving. Listen, I know none of us do that here, right? But you're texting and driving, not paying attention. And you're actually in a school zone. And then you end up hitting a kid in a crosswalk. Kid gets seriously hurt. They haul you off because you're just being so negligent. Take you to jail. And you're sitting there in jail. You know it was bad. You're actually in jail here that the kid didn't make it. And you're freaking out. You feel horrible about that. But you also think, I'm a pretty good person. I'm basically good. And my life is going to come down to this moment. This one misgiving because I wasn't paying attention. And you feel horrible about it. But you're waiting to see what's going to happen with the rest of your life. And so then you go to court. You're freaking out. What's going to happen here? And then the bailiff says, all rise, and the judge comes in. And you think, oh boy, today's my lucky day. Because the judge on duty is your dad. Your dad always figures something out. He's here, he's going he's gonna to help me out. Here, so the judge takes a seat, your dad, and they hear all the testimony. I mean, school is just laying out. There's lots of people. Everyone saw you. You know you did it. They know you did it. But you're still waiting because there's something going to be done here. After all the testimonies given, the judge declares the verdict. Guilty as charged. Bang goes the gavel. And you're thinking, okay, all right. I thought something, you know, he's going to give me some loophole, maybe some community service. Because he knows I'm basically a good person. It doesn't need to be defined by this one moment. And then the judge looks and says, because of these crimes, because of how negligent you were, the fact that you're in a school zone, you knew what was going on, the fact that the kid died, we're going to dole out a punishment. And the punishment for this is life in jail without the possibility of parole. And you're waiting still for maybe some sort of loophole, but bang, goes down the gavel, and it's done. And you look at your dad and you say, Dad, I I thought you were going to figure this out for me. And he says, "Well, well, son... I'm the judge. I got to do what's fair. And this is what you've earned. And so you look up at him and you say, but I thought you loved me. He says, I do. So when he steps down off of the bench, takes off his robe and says, that's why I'm going to serve your sentence for you. Now as the bailiff is pulling off your dad, you're thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa. He didn't do it. It was me, not him. At that point, you could say, Let's go. I'm going to go to jail too. But he said, no, it's already covered. I'm going to jail. I want you to be free. I did what you couldn't do yourself so that you can be free. See, Jesus was perfect. And he died in our place just like that so that we can be free. And he's coming back. But he's already done it. He's took your place. You just have to receive it. It's free today. It's free tomorrow. It's free forever. Your sins are paid for. 
Praise the Lord. Amen? But here's the kicker. You're thinking, uh-oh, here it is. said it was free. What's the strings attached? It is free. And he has not changed. The question is, have you? See, too many Christians I see are walking around not free. How do we walk in freedom? What does that mean? Listen, if you're not a Christian here today, I'm so glad you're here. I want you to listen up because you're going to need to know this too when you become a Christian, maybe even later today. Our excitement from this free gift can start to be diminished due to our current belief about our current sin. Our excitement from this free gift can start to be diminished due to our current belief about our current sin. We get a little frustrated of how we're living our life. We get upset that we did that thing again. We think that maybe we shocked or surprised Jesus. I mean, picture this. Jesus is not hanging out in heaven, hanging out with the angels, telling how about, you know, how he walked on water. You know, just jawing around with them, and he looks down and goes, wait a second, what's going on? I did not see that coming. He's not shocked or surprised about your life. When he went to the cross, he knew about that. He knew about the future one. He knows about the ones you don't even know about yet. But we have this tendency to start kicking ourselves. We start to believe that we're not good enough and our self-view is damaged and that transfers to how we believe God. Thinks about us. Start kicking ourselves. For example, for me, and I had this written down. This is how terrible I am. So I had this written down, knowing I was going to share this, and then it happened again like yesterday or the day before. So I'm hanging out. My kids, love my kids, but one of them, he just kind of, he just kind of bumbles through life. I mean, he's just go with the flow, happy-go-lucky, but he can't focus and he can't listen. There's times that you're supposed to listen because that's what you do. I'm the parent and you're the kid who listens, but you're not listening. My impatience gets the best of me. And he's not doing anything he's supposed to say, and and I just lose it. And I yell at my kid, and then his tender little heart is so crushed and heartbroken that I feel horrible. I mean, even if I I apologize to him and tell him I'm sorry, how much I love him, I just still go through the rest of the day going, I'm such a jerk. It changes the interactions with me and my wife. It changes the interactions of my neighbors, people in my small group, because I'm kicking myself and I'm believing something that's not true about me. Have you been there? Or you have an area of sin that once you have that sin, you just say, you know what? I've already sinned today. Let's just go whole hog into this thing. (laughs) Maybe all week or this month. And you start kicking yourself and you feel bad about it. You just make it worse and worse. Have you been there? How do you feel about yourself then? But more importantly, how do you think God feels about you? I'm going to do a simple test. Right now, what do you think God thinks about you. What do you think God thinks about you? Here's how you know this. I want you to do all this. Let's Let's look up to the heavens and look at God's face. What expression do you imagine he is giving you right now? What do you think God thinks about you? See, the gospel, the good news for a broken and desperate world is not all about me. 
It's all about him. I came with nothing when I made that first exchange with Jesus. Like in the courtroom example, I had nothing to offer. So why do I think I need to provide something else now? That will just rob me of my freedom, chaining me up my own shame or my guilt or how I feel about myself. I've talked to hundreds of Christians living in this scenario, but you need to be free. Otherwise, you might try to live that outside RRI life of just cleaning your cup, trying to make up for it, trying to earn something back that you never earned in the first place. Yes, we need to be bummed about sin. We need to reject it. We need to confess it and move on in freedom. I have a friend who really struggles with this, feeling like an utter failure when he falls in a certain era. He, he wants to quit everything. He wants to stop coming to church, stop being involved in ministry, because God can't use him. This is what Galatians says. Let me ask you this. Galatians 3. Let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? When I sit down with him, maybe I should say it like Paul says it. Are you so foolish? Do you think you can do this on your own now? Or is it still his great work that he has done? We didn't work for it the first time. We used to eat together, me and this friend. And so I told him, picture this. Picture you're sitting at an all-you-can-eat buffet. Like the best one ever. And we've gone a couple times to Texas Day Brazil. That thing's good. Like a lot of meat brought to you on the table. It's great. But so you're at this all-you-can-eat buffet, and it's the most expensive place you could ever be, and it was paid for for you. But what about when you go get another plate? You feel like you've got to pay for it again. Do you do that, or you just go get yourself another plate? Do you swing by and say, I want to pay for this again? And they go, sir, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet. You don't have to pay for each plate. It's paid for. Well, I really feel bad when I pay for it. And then they tell you how much it costs, and it costs more than you could ever earn. I understand that we want to sometimes pay our due. But instead of trying to pay for against paid for, we should just need to choose what we put on our plate. Because you know, like me, you go to those all geek buffets, there are some good things you can put on your plate, and there are some bad things you can put on your plate. You want to find the right human, but not too many desserts. Because First Peter says this. First Peter 2, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So live free. Don't use it just to cover up evil, but live for God. So you know, when you go, you know, put, your, you know, put your desserts in your plate and you put a little bit of broccoli because you're like, I don't want. But look, here's, here's the trick. Here's, I'm going to tell you. Don't tell everybody else this, okay? When you do do this, you put like your three desserts, you put like a mound of broccoli. So like when you're walking, everybody's, all they see is broccoli, right? <laughs> and then you go and you eat desserts, and then you take all the broccoli and you put it on your kids' plates. <laughs> they ain't eating theirs anyway, so just blend right in. He says, don't use this as a cover-up for evil, but choose. Let's choose what we put on our plate. So no matter where you are currently in following Jesus, so if this is new to you, if you've been doing it for a long time, or maybe you're here and you're dragged here, you didn't want to be here, and then you're just exploring, we all actually have the same need. 
We all need to deepen what we believe about Jesus. Because if we don't, it naturally drifts to be about us. You've seen that? We don't deepen what we believe about Jesus. It naturally drifts about what's happening in our world, how we feel about it, our response. And for me, a phrase that helps me is this. Maybe this will help you because I'm a visual person. Believe better, breathe better, behave better. Here's what I mean by that. We have to just, not just believe it and jump right to behaving it. That's what the Pharisees did. They saw the truth and they tried to live it out. So look how good we live out this, what we believe, here's what we do. But they never, never tried to breathe better. That breathe better is what's important. Because that's when you take what you believe and you actually receive it as true for you. I've talked to many people that have an issue going on, and I say, what would you tell me if you told me that? And they would tell me something from the Word. They said, this is what God has to say about that. I said, why don't you believe that's true for yourself? You would tell someone else to believe it, but you don't accept it for yourself. So we can't just believe the truth. We actually have to take in the truth and receive it for ourselves so then we can breathe better and say, listen, in grace, we're free. Then we can go behave. We skip that middle part. We say, because of belief, we need to do this, we need to do this. We're going back to trying to earn our own favor. Clean that filter that's so disgusting you can't clean. Clean the outside of the cup. Instead, it's about what we believe and receiving it. And then freedom comes personally by taking that acceptance for yourself. Takes all the pressure off. Stop sweating your performance and make it about him. Stop worrying if you're good enough. Stop kicking yourself when you blow it again. Instead, you say, let's not cover up evil, but instead, let's live as servants of God. Believe and receive the gift he wants to give you. Truth needs more than just to be known, right? You can just know it, But truth needs to be received in faith, applied to you personally, time and time again. And not just be true for people out there, but true for you. And so I want want to be as helpful as I can be here. I want to give you some deeping levels of how do we actually do this? How do we breathe better? How do we believe in such a way so it becomes more true for us, so we can engage our faith instead of just following the temptation, just engage enough. But living out freedom requires us to stay active and growing in our faith. I believe if you stand still, you're moving backwards. Because you got the world around you, you got your own belief system fighting against you. If we just stand still and say our faith is good where it's at, it's going to be drifting more and more about ourselves. So instead, I want to look at what we can do to discover more about our great God. We're going to go through five different things here. And here's here's the cool part. It spells out great, huh? Yeah, that's a freebie. We spare no expense here. (coughs) So the first one's G, gratefulness. Gratefulness. He saved me from my sin. I think it starts there. When the judge, my dad, takes my place, I'm just grateful I don't have to pay for it myself. 
I understand what happened. There's an, a transfer, and I just start to grow my gratefulness. But if I just stay there, that can eventually wear off, too. I'm excited that day, but it can be hard for me to remain grateful unless I'm thinking about this. Picture this. You ever had one of those days when you had one of those stomach bugs or like a really bad cold, and you're just, it's just killing you, and you, you say a prayer like this, Oh, God, because you talk like that. God, if you could just take this from me, oh, I would be so, I'd be so glad. I'd be praising you. Then the next day, you wake up and it's gone. You're like, praise Jesus, hallelujah, heaven, hallelujah, woo. But then the next day, do you praise the same way? You're still not sick. The day after that, they're there. I mean, gratefulness just starts to diminish as we get away from that great transaction. Sometimes it just be hard to remember to be so grateful for what he actually has done for us. So we need to work on our gratefulness. And as we work on our gratefulness, it should move into respect. See, it's not just about what he saved me from my sin, but what he did when he didn't have to, but instead he chose to. And when I sit there and I picture God watching his son on a cross. And what he had allowed happen, that gives me such much more respect for him. As I know him, as I understand and try to understand even more why he did what he did, my respect grows. Just like in that courtroom example, if you went and visited your dad and said, why did you do it? And you sit with your dad because you want to have visits with him and understand it a little bit more. Not obligated visits because he took your place but actually just to understand what he was thinking and to know him more. We need to grow in our respect towards our father by visiting with him. And how do we visit with him now? John 8 says this, John 8, 31 through 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You have to know him for your respect to grow and our gratefulness to grow. And then there's E, endearing, trying to take this far off God, get close, to know him in a more close and intimate way, to understand his heart, glimpses of his loving actions, so it becomes so personal that you choose to follow him time and time again. Not one transaction, but a life of living with Jesus as a living servant of God. See, breathing better to live free can't exist out of obligation, but out of endearment, out of understanding his choice and getting more close to him. There's a story told from Civil War days before America's slaves were free. A northerner went to a slave auction and purchased a young slave girl. Maybe you've heard this. As they walked away from the auction, the man turned to her and said, you are free. With amazement, she responded, you mean I'm free to do whatever I want? Yes, he said. And to say whatever I want to say? Yes, anything. And to be whatever I want to be? Yes. And to even go 
wherever I want to go? Yes, he answered with a smile. You're free to go wherever you would like. She looked at him intently and replied, then I will go with you. That's an endearing response of being trying to be close to someone who offers so much to you. Stepping closer to God by following him and then that turns into awe. Majestic wonder. I mean, think about that. If we, if we step back from our life, we get so focused on us sometimes. But if we step back from our life and we look at just his great design, we look at how he's even designed this world that if it spun just a little too fast or a little slower, that gravity would suck us down or we'd float into the air, that our eyes, we blink enough to keep them from drying out. He put such great care into us. But when I step back, this universe is so big, this multiverse is so big, and yet he still cares about little old me. That makes my awe grow of how big he is and takes the focus off of me which helps me to stay free and not chain myself up and make it all about me because of who and how big and how great he is amen we have to get a bigger picture let god get bigger and us get smaller so that it becomes so much more incredible and then the t is for trust Listening and following. I mean, you show true trust by, f- by following with actions, right? Giving your daily decisions, leading of God. Like trust is action. Like those trust falls, you know, when you stand there, you fall back and they're supposed to catch you. And your action shows your trust. We're not going to do that here today. Just in case, you know. But for God, trusting him, if I'm growing my relationship with him, if I'm truly Stepping into my freedom more and more that I want to change what I put on my plate. I want to trust and listen to what the Spirit might be telling me of how I'm supposed to respond. Living as a servant of God instead of using as an opportunity for evil. So I have to listen. I have to be in the Word. I have to pray. As a believer, you got the Spirit inside speaking to you as well. So you can follow Him. Jesus came to free you, so stand firm by standing with him and staying free. I want you to hear this. Become consumed over Jesus' work for you and you will grow. Become consumed about your work for Jesus and you will shrink. It's either all about you or all about him. One offers freedom, the other one's just cleaning the outside of the cup leaving it dead inside. He gave us freedom and he gave us freedom for purpose. So the question is, what is his purpose? Let's look at Galatians 5. Just as a side note here, you notice we use a lot of Galatians. If you're struggling with freedom or you need a good word about how free you are, I'd encourage you to read Galatians. Some good strong rebuke in there. There's also good Strong truth. Galatians is great. Well, let's look at what it says. Galatians 5.13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't just do what you think is good or what you want to do. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor 
as yourself. Being all about him in freedom is being all about other people. In freedom, do that good work. Not to fix you up, not to earn, not to just participate, but instead to respond and to show his good work. Not that outside ROI religion, but that inside transformation. He says you'll love other people. And imagine this, and we do that here, but imagine this. If we all went like crazy on this in new life, we're all living as free as he intended us to be, loving our neighbors, loving the people here, loving each other, loving our neighbors more and more and more. What would that look like? Would we pray more for each other? We pray more for our neighbors. We serve more. We look for opportunities. How I can help. How I can, how I can uh, serve you. How I can serve the people around me. Would I give more? Would I take all my time, money, effort and say, what can I do with this? You say I have freedom for purpose and it's your purpose is other people. What do I do with this? Help me to respond. But not to earn. Not to look good. Not to be like a Pharisee. But to live as servants of God. What? that look like if we all just ratcheted that up a notch or two and said man let's use this freedom let's respond and so today I want to encourage you to have a personal response listen I know I know how this works usually by now in the in the, in the sermon I've stopped listening and so if you're still listening good job that was the test to see who's listening. See, some of you are. It's good. But you know how it is. We leave here, and there's lots of things going on. Hopefully, lunch is coming up because I'm hungry. Then there's all those kids. I mean, as soon as I move on here, there's something else grabbing my attention. Probably yours too, right? So now is when I'm going to encourage you to respond. A specific step for you. I mean, there's lots of us here. We all have individual steps. So what is it for you? that God might want to tell you today about your freedom or lack of freedom. I mean, for some people, you're like, man, I just need to be more grateful. I was grateful once, and I just need to step into that and realize, oh my goodness, what has he done for me? Other people, you're so focused on what's happening in your little world right now, you need to step back and see the bigness the greatness of God and be caught up by his wonder and you need to just respond by stepping back a little bit. Yes, those problems are still here. Yes, those situations are still going on but I need to recognize how big God is and how small I am yet he still cares for me. Maybe that's your response. What is your response? Maybe it's a particular area you need to reject that sin even more. You need to turn it over and say, I'm free from that. I'm going to leave it behind. I'm going to talk to somebody and maybe confess it to somebody else so I can move on in freedom because that's what God wants for me. And maybe for some, it's like, you know what? I know I have never, ever accepted that free gift. I hope you would. Because whatever plan you're working, trying to clean it up yourself, it'll be more futile than trying to clean that filter in my dishwasher. You need a factory reset. You need something that's completely new, completely clean, that covers everything. And that's Jesus. And he says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You just have to say Jesus is Lord and believe it. And then start responding in freedom. So I'm going to pray for this. And as I pray for 
us. I want you to think about what is your thing? What is the thing you want to solidify? Hey, I need to be abiding in his word. I need to set a time because it so quickly has been forgotten for something else. What is your individual response? Will you think about that as I pray? Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we invite you to, to share with us what you want each of us to hear. You're so big. You're so incredible. You can have a specific word for each and every one of us, Lord, and we just want to hear it. If there's that nagging sense in our mind trying to block it out and not hear it from you, I pray that you would push a little bit more and help us to understand what it is we need to give some attention to so we can live free. That we're not caught up by our shame or our guilt or something that's happening secret, but instead we can expose it to the light and give it to you and walk in true freedom. Lord, if some of us need to grow in our respect to you. We don't see you as highly as we should. Will you help us to recognize what you've done? Give us glimpses. Help us to see in your word your great plan and help us to respond to the awesome, incredible God that you are. And Lord, if there's people here who let's say they've never confessed that you are Lord, would you just stir in their hearts right now and just tell them? Convince them, help them to see this truth that you are, who you are. Help them to have the freedom to speak that out, to reject anything else that's whatever plan's been working on and say, Jesus, you are Lord. We need you. We need to respond to you. We need you to do the good work. We know it's about you and not us, but it's so tempting. It's so hard because of our flesh, because of the world around us, because of all these distractions. We need you. And I know you love us. You proved it by dying on a cross. So I know you hear this prayer and you want to answer this prayer. And so we trust it to you in your holy name. We pray. Amen.